Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those big swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. We are broadcasting the show live from Humphrey's Restaurant and Tavern just near the SLU campus. Welcome in, everybody, to a Graybar Sports Open Line, the uh, SLU Billikens Basketball Coaches Show. Just wrapping up a few moments ago with Bob Ramsey and Coach Ford, and I've got you through uh, the rest of this hour, taking you till 8 o'clock this evening. We've got a lot coming up on the show today. Will Leach is going to join us in about 15 minutes. We'll talk uh, Cardinals baseball with him. Also coming up uh, later on this hour, something happened today, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. It happened involving the uh, Dartmouth men's basketball team. Why in the world are we talking about Dartmouth men's basketball in St. Louis? Well, the National Labor Relations Board said that they can unionize. What does that mean for college athletics moving forward? We're already living in the wild, wild west when it comes to uh, name, image, likeness, and transferring everything that's going on. Now, all of a sudden, if uh, student athletes are going to be able to unionize, that is going to uh, certainly change things even more in college athletics. So we're going to get into that coming up uh, later on this hour. And uh, we are also going to uh, spend some time uh, discussing uh, with the news that we got today from the new U.S. That's the uh, combination of the XFL and the USFL where the Battlehawks are going to be playing. We have a Battlehawks schedule. And uh, it also would appear that whether the Battlehawks are playing in the game or not, with the X of the UFL championship game is going to be played in St. Louis, uh, potentially as a neutral side if the Billikens are uh, not Billikens, the Battlehawks are not in it. So we'll get into that coming up uh, in just a little while as well. Want to open up though with uh, baseball. Some news occurred today across the state in Kansas City that I thought was very interesting and bluntly good for the game of baseball. A lot of people have tried to somewhat connect it to what's going on with the Cardinals, and I'm not quite sure if it's a uh, if there's a clear connection to be made. Uh, but I was happy to see that the Kansas City Royals, uh, they are in agreement today on an 11-year contract with shortstop Bobby Wood Jr. that's going to pay him close to $290 million. He is going into uh, his third major league season. He's been one of the top players in baseball, and now he is going to be with the Royals for quite some time. There are some opt-outs in there, so it's not guaranteed that the entire 
seven-year contract is going to be played out, but it's a lot of money. It is the largest contract that the Royals have uh, ever handed out. Now, there's been some people out there, whether it's on social media or somewhere else, that feel like, you know what, the Royals are doing this. What are the Cardinals doing? And I'm not somebody that hates Kansas City. I'm not somebody that even, you know, has has dis- dislike for uh, for the Royals. But to compare what they're doing and what the Cardinals are doing and saying that they're doing more than the Cardinals, I think that would be simply incorrect. Even when you just look at uh, what their payroll is going to be, there's, there is room for the Cardinals to up their payroll. I am not trying to say that they can't spend a little bit more money. They absolutely can. Maybe they will. Every day that we get closer to pitchers and catchers reporting where a lot of free agents are still out there, I think the chances of the Cardinals maybe doing something goes up. I still think in terms of a big signing, whether or not that might happen, I I still say that's less than 50%. But the Cardinals, as it's sit right now for the payroll this upcoming season, sitting 11th in baseball, just barely above uh, the league average. They've got uh, a payroll uh, for this upcoming season at uh, just over $175 million. There's definitely some room in there where they would be able to increase that number. And, and maybe they will. Maybe they'll do that uh, via trades in season. There, there's some room there. But you look at what Kansas City has done, and even with Kansas City's had a nice offseason. I'm not trying to be dismissive whatsoever of the Royals. I'm glad that they made this deal today with uh, Bobby Witt. Uh, I'm glad that they've been able to make moves throughout the course of the offseason. Good for them. That's a good bunch of baseball fans in Kansas City supporting that that team and that new ownership does appear to be uh, trying to do some things to win a little bit more consistently. But even with that being said, uh, the Royals payroll is sitting there uh, at $118 million for the upcoming season. And that's just uh, even with the increased number once that it becomes official uh, for the deal that they uh, signed today, uh, they're still going to be well under where the Cardinals are at. But I think where you can connect this to the Cardinals is what is the cost going to be when it comes to some of these young players that the Cardinals have as they're the, really the next faces of the organization. You think already about a Jordan Walker. You think about a Nolan, a Nolan Gorman, uh, Mason Wynn. A little, probably a little early to be talking about him uh, with these type of deals, although we are seeing some players sign deals. In, in Milwaukee, they signed Jackson Chirillo to a, to a contract extension. He hasn't made his major league debut yet, and there's no guarantee that he is going to be uh, in the big leagues when the season gets started this year. But Bobby Witt Jr., if we're going to use this as the example, as uh, he's going into his third major league season, 11 years and 290 or so million dollars. We'll call it that just to make it a little bit easier. Is this the type of deal that the Cardinals are going to want to maybe present to a Jordan Walker sooner than later, where you buy out all the arbitration years and then you also give him a little bit more on the backside? I've always thought that that is the avenue to keep young players in place. If you wait too long where all of a sudden they've got arbitration years coming up in just a moment or they're in the middle of arbitration years uh, or they've got free agency right around the corner, you lose some leverage as a team to sign players to long-term deals. If you get to a player who you really believe in their future and you get there before while they're still under just complete club control or before arbitration – if you can buy out those years 
and give them a little bit more on the front end of what they would make, you might be able to give them a lot less on the back end and have them in place for an extended amount of time. So it's just interesting to look at this deal that the Royals uh, gave to, to Bobby Witt Jr. today and, and think about a future with Jordan Walker, a future with, uh, with Mason Wynn, guys like that, other young players who are still coming up. And is this where we're at right now in baseball where – if you really believe in a player and they've got a year or two of major league service time, you start looking at the possibility of giving them the big contract right there. Because historically speaking, the way you have won is by having these type of players, but keeping them at those very low salaries. First off, through the years of club control and then even arbitration, you're generally making less money in arbitration than you would make as a free agent. So generally speaking, teams have tried to take advantage of the system and not give these type of deals out because then you've got the opportunity to keep your payroll low and have some, have some players who are really contributing at a fairly low number. I, I just, if you want guys to be around for a while, and I think you know, the, the gamble here, clearly, the gamble for the Royals is that something happens to Witt, whether he just kind of loses it, we see that happen, whether he gets injured, deals with injuries, maybe he has one big injury and it impacts his career in a negative way moving forward. Like All these things can happen. But that's, that's the world you live in when you've got, uh, when you're dealing with players who are getting paid this kind of money and when you're trying to win at the highest level and you're trying to figure out how to keep these players in place as long as possible, sometimes you just kind of have to take a, a big gulp and give somebody a whole lot of money over a long period of time and in all likelihood, Bobby Witt Jr., an 11-year deal, is going to look pretty good for a long time. It's not a guarantee, but it's a pretty good possibility that that's going to, uh, that's going to happen. So good for the Royals. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't like the narrative that you know, the, the Royals are outdoing the Cardinals. That's not true. The Royals have had a nice offseason. They haven't had as good of an offseason as the Cardinals. We can argue about how good of an offseason the Cardinals have had or how bad of an offseason. I don't think it's been bad. I know there's a lot of fans out there that would like them to do more. Uh, the, the Royals didn't bring in a Sonny Gray-type player. The, the Royals and, and Cardinals offseasons, and, and Kevin Wheeler and I were talking about this today. He said this to me. I'll give credit where credit is due, and, and Wheels is right. The, the Royals offseason is essentially what the Cardinals have done except for Sonny Gray. And gray is the thing on top, and that's been the biggest move uh, that the that the Cardinals have made. So if the if the Cardinals were having the exact same offseason that the Royals were having, if you think Cardinals fans are upset now, they would be even more upset. But when you're looking at it from uh, three and a half hours out of Kansas City, maybe that uh, offseason looks a little better. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of Kansas City. They've put together a nice offseason. You know what? They'll probably be right there in contention for the AL Central this year with what they've been able to do. That is we talk about how bad the NL Central is. The AL Central, it is a horrendous dis- division when you look at some of the teams in there uh, that are just not trying to uh, compete. And Kansas City is going to have an opportunity to do something in the AL Central. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk with uh, our friend uh, Will Leach. You read him all over the place. He's going to join us in uh, just a moment or so. We'll talk Cardinals baseball with him. We'll get into some other stuff with him as well coming up in just a moment or so. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We are broadcasting live at uh, Humphreys Restaurant and Tavern just off the SLU campus. My name is Matt Bawley. We're back with more in just a moment right here on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I'm Wilson Contreras, San Luis Cardinals catcher, and you're listening to the voice of Cardinals KMOX. We are going to be hearing this sooner than later. We're just over a week from pitchers and catchers reporting. I'm actually making my way. Uh, I'll be on a plane this time next Monday, exactly one week from today, heading down to Florida. The next day is pitchers and catchers report day, and then their first workout is going to be uh, coming up Wednesday of next week. Welcome back in. It's Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. We are continuing to broadcast live from Humphreys Restaurant and Tavern uh, just off the SLU campus, and we're very happy right now to uh, welcome on to the program. Uh, you hear him uh, co-hosting the uh, Seeing Red podcast along with uh, Bernie Miklas. He also uh, writes all over the place, including uh, contributing uh, to MLB.com. It's our good friend uh, Will Leach, Will, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? Of course. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm envious. You're really going to be there in a week. That's exciting. I'm very it envious. Is, I, it, I'm it, envious for anybody that gets to get down there. The, the season's starting for you all. Isn't it amazing how the off season can feel so long and sh- so short all at the same time? Yeah, I actually still have. I actually do have a cardinal the cardinal calendar on my wall uh, in my office, and so I turned it to February. I was like, hey. There's games like this month. <laughs> There's going to be actual box scores involving the Cardinals this month. So, uh, yeah, it, it does sneak up on you. I mean, so, like, you know, you get the, the, the Cardinals caravan just ended and all this stuff going on. I wonder if one of the reasons this uh, offseason has felt changed is movement's been weird, right? Particularly for a Cardinals fan, there was a flurry of activity right when free agency started, and then nothing happened for a long time. It kind of bent space and time, I think. And you saw this, of course, with other free agents, too, with, uh, with Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell and so on. I think there's and Cody Bellinger. I think it's, it's, it's been an odd offseason that's kind of messed with the timing. But it's, uh, we're still almost here, and if it doesn't necessarily feel that way. Yeah, you mentioned the Cardinal Caravan. I was in your hometown of, uh, mm-hmm. of Mattoon. I was looking for your statue, but I just could not find it. Yeah, they, 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 they toppled it during the, uh, the nonviolent coup of, uh, of 1996. It was, a, it was a dark time in Mattoon history. You mentioned the, all the guys who are still available. I know we're going to talk Cardinals, but if we take a step back and just talk overall Major League Baseball for a second, you got four top ten free agents that are still out there. 
and we're a week plus out from pitchers and catchers reporting. I, these guys are going to get jobs eventually, but it doesn't feel like to me that this is good for baseball, that these kind of players are still dangling out there here just days before spring training gets underway. Yeah, you know, I think there's obviously there are, there are some reasons for that we that we've seen in the past. I think the fact that they're Scott Boris clients. I do think that it's honestly like I think one guy that's really holding up is actually Blake Snell, not because it's like he's like a jerk or anything, but he's a hard like he's. I would argue Snell is one of the more difficult free agent calls that you've seen in a long time, right? Like he's a Cy Young winner, so I'm not allowed to expect a Cy Young winner, a two-time Cy Young winner, to be. Uh, the, at the top of the market. And I think he certainly expects to be at the top of the market. The problem is, is he doesn't really have a lot of endurance. The, the advanced numbers don't really love him that much. He walks a lot of guys. Uh, there, there's concerns about where he can fit in in the right place. And I think because of that, that's holding up Jordan Montgomery. And that's leading to other guys getting kind of held up. And I think, and, you know, I think there's a certain stubbornness that kind of comes in. That I really think it's probably not good for the players either, for those individual players. I mean, it's a lot to not know where you're going to live, not just next year, but potentially for the next three or four or five or however many years the contract goes. So I, I do think those issues, I think in the past you've seen some players having struggling, particularly in the early going, without that kind of routine. Baseball is kind of famously a game of routine, and I think it's been disrupted a little bit. I do sometimes, however, I, I know that sometimes we'll talk about, is this good for baseball to hold on so long? On some cases, I think that's true. Because I think a lot of people like love the NBA free agency, right? Like as soon as NBA free agency hit, there's all these crazy deals and all these wild stuff happens. It's worth reminding, and like when that happens, then nothing happens for like three months. <laughs> like I think, like that that kind of flurry that you see in the NBA, it's over with pretty quickly. I don't know if that's necessarily good for baseball. I'm not sure it's realistic for baseball anyway. I do think that there's something specific to this year to having guy a guy like Snell and having Boris represent them that's really kind of held up that market. There's, there's reason for him to be stubborn, but there's also a reason for, for teams to be stubborn as well. I Nobody's going to cry for Jordan Montgomery. He's going to make his money at the end of the day. But I do kind of lament the fact that he's coming off a year where we thought he was going to make himself all kinds of money based off what he did in the postseason. He wins, everybody who dreams of being a pro athlete kind of dreams of having the type of circumstances that Jordan Montgomery had. And you lead into an offseason where it feels like he's going to get a, a big contract, a long contract. And that may still happen, but if this takes too long, he might have to settle for something a little bit less. And I just, again, he's going to make his money. Everything's going to be okay. But I kind of lament the fact that off a, a career moment for him, maybe he's not going to see what we thought he was going to see. Yeah, maybe that fevered rush that we thought he might see in November by in, by February, you know, that those numbers we saw in the postseason now are just numbers, right? <laughs> so they, there's that emotional attachment that we all kind of saw to what he was doing. I think the memory of that stays a little bit. And listen, what, Montgomery, I would argue whether Montgomery had a great postseason or not, he's a terrific free agent catch for someone. And I think that I think he's reliable in a way that a lot of starting pitchers aren't anymore, including someone like Snell. So I think that. I, I do. I I think that's part of it too. Is Snell and Montgomery are such different kinds of pitchers. Like they're both they're both left-handed, <laughs> but that's it. They're so different in so many ways. I think they provide different things. And a certain kind of team is going to want to be not be in on Snell. That might be in on Montgomery, and then maybe the other way around. And so I think that's kind of messed with the market a little bit too. I agree though. You know, it is a shame when you were watching Montgomery. I felt like um, uh, every time you would read a game story about a game that Montgomery had pitched, you would always say something like Jordan Montgomery. 
Montgomery, comma, who's making himself a lot of money this coming off season with his postseason performance, and it feels like something that's now that's happened further in the past <laughs> and, a, and a while ago. So, yeah, I think, I think there's an element of that too. So, but, you know, again, he'll be fine. But, uh, you know, it, it is strange to think that a guy that had the postseason he did, now people are talking about, like, hey, maybe you can get him on a buy low opportunity. That's strange to think because it felt like he was peaking at the exact right time. We're talking with uh, Will Leach right now, specifically to the Cardinals. Barring something crazy happening in the next week plus, it feels like the roster as it sits right now is essentially the roster they're probably going to uh, take into uh, the season. Are, are you comfortable with, uh, with where they're at? Obviously, they, they made a lot of moves, but it felt like a lot of Cardinals fans would have liked for them to make maybe one more move. Yeah, and, and listen, I would argue that Ken Middleton is actually a pretty solid move. I, I, I wasn't sure they were going to make that extra bullpen move. That's a really great move, and I, you know, I think we've heard a lot of people say, like, like you heard people talk about a role as Chapman as someone, like a hard-throwing left-hand strikeout guy. And I feel like that if they assign someone like Chapman for more than Middleton, I think people, uh, people might have their issues with Chapman for, for, for different reasons, but certainly would feel like the Cardinals were doing something. But I think Middleton's a better signing than that. <laughs> and so I think that you know, it addressed the issue, sure. I wish there uh, – my biggest concern, I think it should be a lot of people's biggest concern, which is they still feel like they've not given themselves a, uh, an emergency or enough – uh, you need that. You just can't. We always say you can't have enough starting pitching. It feels like you're counting a lot right now on like a guy like Stephen Matz. To listen, I think Stephen Matz could be good. I think you can. I would not shock me if Stephen Matz has a productive, healthy year. But counting on it, which essentially is kind of what they're doing right now, I think that's the concern that people have. I think it actually speaks to the larger problem, which is the Cardinals were in a position where they had to get three starting pitchers, and it still feels like they didn't get enough. <laughs> I think that actually speaks to a general problem kind of going on in the organization. That I think they're working to address and working to fix, but it's a, it's a hard thing to do in the short time around. I'd like to – listen, I, I know they said that Montgomery, they see, think it's unlikely – I understand that, but maybe, like, to me, if you wanted to close out this offseason with fans feeling a lot more comfortable, particularly in a situation where Milwaukee looks like they may have taken themselves, if not entirely, out of the NL Central race, have certainly handicapped themselves quite a bit. If you really wanted to have a situation where, like, wow, the Cardinals really feel like the favorites in the NL Central this year, Montgomery feels like a kind of guy that might do it. And so I'd love to see that. But, you know, that's the worry. It's, you, you, they did address the issues. They addressed them, I think, smartly. I think the three guys they got make a lot of sense. I think Sonny Gray is still kind of being a little underrated. Like, when, when you talk about aces, I don't know how many people aces you consider there are in Major League Baseball, but if you have, say, there's 15, Gray's one of them. Like, he was, he was terrific last year and has been terrific for a while. So I, I think he's a terrific addition. I just – think that if things go wrong and we've seen them go wrong very very recently i'm not sure how they're able they're going to be, how they're going to be able to address that problem if they come up again uh, a starting pitcher or two short which teams generally do yeah and to that point like people have talked about how the cardinals have added starting pitching depth they haven't added depth they've they've added to their five-man rotation the five-man rotation is better than it was last year but if one of those guys goes down it's matthew liberator zach thompson that that's the exact same spot they were in last year so they don't have any more depth than last year they just have uh five better options in the in those five spots as opposed to uh really having much more at that six and seven spot well, yeah, and frankly, I, that's, that's even assuming 
that Matt's or even someone like Michaelis, like, listen, Michaelis, we all think of Michaelis as like the number one or two guy on this team. He has been that for the last few years. He absolutely was not that in, in, 20, in 2023. And I think that I think there's been some signs. Uh, we've been working on a slider. I think there's, there's, there's signs potentially that, uh, that Michaelis could be that. The problem is now you're counting on Michaelis to not just be better than he was last year, but potentially to be your number two or three starter. And that's, that, that's a risk too, right? <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I, I, people talk about the Cardinals, they didn't sign any starting pitchers. Let's not forget before last season, they absolutely did sign a starting pitcher for the next two years, Miles Michaelis. <laughs> and that deal is like, did not look good coming out of the first year. And so I think there's hope for Michaelis, but the problem is now forget health. If Miles Michaelis pitches like they did last year, like he did last year, the Cardinals have a problem. <laughs> the Cardinals have a problem in that situation because I think they're counting on him to be considerable better, better. So it's not just that you're relying on health. Like, listen, I think Lance Lynn's going to be better than he was last year. Uh, I think Stephen Matz is going to be healthier than he was last year. But those are thinks and hopes and wishes and fingers crossed. And the odds are one or two of those things are going to go wrong or something's going to go wrong that no one could have expected. I'm not saying they have to sign 15 starting pitchers and, and eventually uh, spread it out, but it does feel like if things go sideways, uh, it's, I, I'm not sure how you put yourself in that situation where you're just doing a lot of hoping and wishing after an offseason where, frankly, heading into the season, the Cardinals, the front office, the manager, the dugout, everyone's got so much on the line uh, this year. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of wish casting for a situation where it feels like there should be a lot of urgency. Last thing for uh, Will Leach, we're going to take a uh, steady left turn here. Uh, you recently wrote uh, for New York Magazine about lessons to be taken away from the NFL season of Swift, obviously talking <laughs> about uh, Taylor Swift. You brought up something in this that I thought was really interesting. You compared it to when Tony Romo was dating Jessica Simpson and how the NFL uh, looked away from that, and the, the common narrative was that Romo either had to choose football or, or Simpson or football or uh, you know being, uh, being a celebrity. Now, maybe it's a little bit different if we're talking about Patrick Mahomes as opposed to Travis Kelsey, quarterback versus a tight end. But to your point, it seems it's interesting how not that it hasn't been that long since the Romo Simpson stuff was happening, and the NFL is very much more embracing uh, this celebrity relationship. Yeah, and I think part of it is less the like. I don't think, frankly, it really mattered on the field when Tony Romo was playing either. I don't think it affected Tony. Just dating Jessica Simpson ever affected Tony Romo's game one way or the other. But the NFL was very uncomfortable. Like I, I think that like occasionally Romo would be asked about it, and the reporter was like shunned and like, how could you even talk about this silliness and off-field stuff? The NFL is embracing that a lot now, and I think part of it is. Frankly, the NFL is a lot bigger than it was when Tony Romo was, was playing. And, and that, to me, is not, it's not that it was small when Romo was playing, but the NFL has just become, in a lot of ways, the central, most powerful entertainment entity in the United States right now. And it, it, it's basically keeping, like, networks alive and streaming economies alive and bu Amazon's building their stuff up and, it's, it, and YouTube TV's big now because of it. Like, everyone wants to be a part of the NFL. I think the NFL has therefore kind of understood 
this is that like this is not a game just for the meatheads anymore. I think that if you're like I, this, I actually think of this a little bit actually when we talk about baseball. When baseball will like make a rule change or so on, and an old purist will be like, I can't believe they made this rule change. But that purist will still watch, right? You're trying to bring in new people because the NFL, the only way it can really continue to grow is by expanding its audience. And so I think it's embracing kind of what the new people that are watching football because of Taylor Swift and also understanding that the NFL is actually not just about what happens on the field anymore. It is a four-quadrant, massive, massive monster of uh, of an entertainment entity they are totally okay with people talking about this. They love those cutaway shots. Broadcasters are talking about Taylor Swift all the time. It's sure for an old football fan like like a lot of people like me even, like it sometimes feels weird to be talking about a pop star during a game. It doesn't feel weird for people younger. It feels like all in the same sort of stew and I think the NFL has has under has understood that in a way that I think frankly has benefited them. He is uh, Will Leach. He's all over the place. The Scene Red podcast that he does with Bernie Miklas is uh, fantastic. Of course, you can read him, as I just mentioned, New York Magazine, MLB.com, a bunch of other places. He's got his uh, Substack as well uh, that you can subscribe yourself to. Will, always appreciate the time, and uh, next time we talk to you, we'll probably be actually talking about uh, baseball things happening on the field, and I'm looking forward to that. Don't forget your sunscreen. I'm very envious. Have a good time out there. Thanks uh, for chatting. Appreciate it. You bet. That's Will Leach joining us here on the program. We'll take a break and have more in just a moment or so as we roll on with a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes with swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We are continuing to broadcast from Humphreys just off the SLU campus. Welcome back in. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for another uh, 20 minutes or so. And then tonight, uh, late night with Hancock and Kelly, they'll be with you from uh, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock this evening here on KMOX. So something happened earlier today that, again, could change the direction of college athletics. And there's been a lot of things that have changed the direction of college athletics. Name, image, likeness has changed the direction of college athletics. All the stuff going on right now with uh, transfer rules, where it looked like the NCAA was going to really uh, stop athletes from transferring more than once. And then a court got involved and said, well, no, that's not actually legal. And now we are probably going to see play. We're we're seeing teams re-recruit their own players on an every-year basis, which I would argue is not great for college basketball, but I would also argue, or college football for that matter, college athletics overall, uh, I would also argue that student-athletes have probably earned that. So uh, here's the next thing that has happened, and I'm not smart enough to be able to tell you how this is going to impact college athletics, but I think you would have to be naive to not think that it will impact college athletics a National Labor Relations Board regional official ruling earlier today that Dartmouth basketball players are employees of the school and that they would be able to be part of a labor union for NCAA athletes. It would create the first ever labor union for NCAA athletes. All 15 members of the Dartmouth men's basketball team had signed a petition back in September 
asking to uh, join the Service Employees International Union that represents some other employees uh, at uh, Dartmouth, and now they are trying to uh, join that as well. Now, this is going to be appealed back. This is not something that we snap a finger and stuff's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, It's a little bit different. If you remember back in 2014, members of the Northwestern uh, football team Uh, They voted as to whether or not to try to uh, unionize. We don't actually know what happened uh, in that because the ballots were destroyed uh, when the National Labor Relations Board, uh, which only governs private sector employees, decided that allowing the football players at the only private school in the Big Ten would skew the labor market in the conference. So that's the fact that Northwestern is a private school. But the rest of the schools in the Big Ten are public schools. The National Labor Relations Board said that this is not something that would be easy to uh, decide on. And eventually we don't even know if uh, the Northwestern football team was going to try to unionize or not. The difference here with Dartmouth is they're an Ivy League school. All Ivy League schools are private institutions, so the National Labor Relations Board doesn't have to uh, worry about what they had to worry about with kind of the, uh, the different schools being not equally yoked, I guess you could say, inside of one conference. So what, is this, what does this really mean? You know, these college athletes are, are not going to get paid from the school. They're not going to get an hourly salary or anything like that, at least not yet. We're not quite to that point. But the, the union could negotiate things. The union could negotiate uh, different, uh, the, the way they travel, the amount of hours that they are uh, asking to uh, be you know, worked on a weekly basis. Something that the NCAA already governs, but the, the union could put further restrictions on this if they do move forward. Uh, NCAA, universities across the country, they have said that athletes are students, not employees. College sports leaders have gone to Congress. They're looking for a federal law uh, that would uh, classify um, it in that way. This is... This is going to be appealed. Again, these these student-athletes are not going to become members of a union tomorrow. They're not going to become members of a union this year. Many of these players are going to graduate and are never going to be part of this. But if we do move to a place where college athletes are unionizing, that, again, is going to completely change the way that college athletics looks moving forward. And this is something to really keep an eye on because if – if the National Labor Relations Board says yes to Dartmouth, they're going to say yes to other schools, and it's going to be a domino effect. And all of a sudden, in addition to name image likeness, in addition to this just unfettered ability to transfer from one school to another, now all of a sudden we're going to have labor unions and we're going to have negotiations going on between essentially college athletes as union employees and the different athletic departments that they are uh, working for. And it's just going to add more upheaval to what is already a crazy crazy setup that we have in uh, college athletics when it comes to all of that all right one more break we'll come back into our final segment we'll wrap up this edition of the program it is a gray bar sports open line we are continuing to broadcast from humphrey's restaurant and tavern we're just off the uh, slew campus and we're back with more in a moment here on kmox This edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line as we are broadcasting from Humphreys Restaurant and Tavern. 
just off the uh, SLU campus. Always a great place to be. 3700 Laclede Avenue is uh, the address home of the SLU Billikens Coaches Show. That's what we had from uh, 6 o'clock to uh, 7 o'clock this evening. Bob Ramsey and uh, Coach Ford alternate men's and women's. So Coach Tillett will be uh, joined by Tom Ackerman coming up uh, next Monday uh, right here on KMOX. And next Monday is also when we travel down to uh, Florida and we are going to be uh, having uh, sports open line originate from uh, Jupiter for the better part of a month starting a week from tomorrow. Can you believe that? We are just about uh, to that point and certainly looking forward to that. I uh, wanted to mention this before we get out of here today. Uh, the, the UFL, that is what was formerly the XFL in a way, it is uh, the USFL and the XFL came together and the, they created the UFL. They officially announced the schedule this year. So if you're a big Battlehawks fan, you know when you are going to be uh, in downtown doing your tailgating. Uh, Battlehawks are going to open up the season on the road. The week one matchup is going to be uh, at Michigan, and that's going to be on Saturday, March 30th. So the, the calendar, the schedule is a little bit different. If you remember the XFL and the USFL, they ran at different times during the spring. Well, now that they've come together, it's kind of a, a hybrid in the way that they're doing uh, the schedule, starting a little bit later compared to the XFL. And that could be good, especially from a weather standpoint. You're going to be playing in uh, March, April, and May, and then the championship is going to be in June. So I think this calendar uh, certainly makes a little bit of sense. And for guys who want to go to uh, the NFL, there's still going to be uh, some time to get signed once the season ends. They're uh, in uh, late May, early June to uh, have some time to get there. Not a lot of time to uh, maybe heal your bodies at that point, but uh, certainly time to uh, to get to camp. So their first home game is going to be week two on Saturday, April 6th, when they're going to match up against the Arlington Renegades. They'll play the regular season through uh, that first weekend in June. June 1st and 2nd is uh, week 10. They're going to finish out the season at home against San Antonio. They've got a bunch of home games down the stretch of the season, and here's kind of the big news of today, and it was initially reported by uh, Fox Sports. It has not yet been confirmed by the league that I have seen, but it has been widely reported, and this is exciting for St. Louis. The UFL championship game, it is going to be played on a neutral site, maybe. It's only going to be on a neutral site if uh, the Battlehawks are not playing because it has been widely reported that they are going to uh, put the XF, or excuse me, the UFL championship game in St. Louis uh, this year. So last year, the XFL championship game, it was also a neutral site setup. It was played in San Antonio. The league has made the decision to go ahead and make St. Louis the site of the UFL championship. And look, I'm in St. Louis. I love St. Louis. I'm proud to be a St. Louisan. So there is as much bias in what I'm about to say as you are going to find anywhere. But here's the bottom line. St. Louis has done spring football better than any team or any city out there has ever done spring football. XFL, USFL, that Alliance of American Football, whatever that thing was called, uh, that they, they got shut down a few years ago. No other spring football team or city has been able to match up to what we have seen in St. Louis. So if, if you're the UFL, A, you should reward 
the the markets that are doing well. So you reward St. Louis with the XFL championship game. I keep saying XFL, UFL championship game, uh, and it just makes sense to put it in there. So we can all be hopeful that the Battlehawks are able to go on uh, quite the run and uh, host the conference championship and then host the uh, UFL championship. But uh, one way or another, a, a champion will be crowned in St. Louis, according to the reports out there on Sunday, June 16th. And that's going to be uh, that's pretty cool. And, Hopefully, even if the Battlehawks are not playing, St. Louis sports fans are still going to find a way to uh, support this. By the way, just uh, from a TV standpoint, 72% of all the UFL games are going to air on broadcast television on ABC or Fox. The rest of the games, there's just going to be 12 total games in the league that are not on broadcast television, and those are going to be uh, stretched out between ESPN, ESPN2, and Fox Sports 1. But the majority of the games will be on uh, either ABC or Fox, so they've once again done a good job of getting uh, a pretty solid spotlight on to this league, and we'll see how the Battlehawks are able to do this year. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Thanks to the folks out here at Humphreys for uh, having us today. Have a uh, wonderful evening, late night with Hancock and Kelly. That's on the way next, and I'll be back with you tomorrow from uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, a full two-hour edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line tomorrow night right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.